some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, we're Roxanne and Ace. This is Unlimited. Welcome to another great week. We want to say thanks to my brother's cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for making this possible. Fall's here, but I have realized my wardrobe does really not change very much. Well, it's the fedora, the cool t-shirt, the jacket. I mean, that's just in style all year round. Well, I've, I realized too, when your friends are wanting to know how many different fedoras you have and you disappoint them with, you know, like seven, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> sorry, Fedora of the Month Club's not my thing. But uh, uh, as we do get set for fall, lots happening this week. I'm super excited. Lots to talk about as we talk about the trends. Yes, but we have to start with the serious stuff and the thing that's on all of our mind. Our love for Israel and the fact that Hamas that the U.S. recognizes as a terrorism group backed by Iran is lobbing missiles into a country that just wants to exist. They don't want Israel to be on the face of the earth. They believe that they should not be allowed to exist. And hundreds are dying, including nine Americans. It's terrible. We had friends flying into Jerusalem. And the airlines are like, nope, I don't think we're going to do that. And so they've been diverted. They're going to go to Iceland and then on to Rome. But it's it's a horrible attack against Israel, our ally, our friend. And really, we focus on Israel for the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know, according to prophecy, where the U.S. will be, but we certainly know that Israel is in the center of it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as our hearts are heavy in that, I think it also gives us the opportunity to have a spiritual awareness because it puts us in a place where we realize our future. We realize, yeah, let's let's protect what we have as we press into it. So uh, definitely, you know, heavy hearts and prayers this week as we lift them up. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the fact that when things like this happen, it brings us together uh, globally. It gives us an opportunity to know that we care about the things that you care about. And uh, Lord, as we love on those that are going to have ramifications from this, that are dealing with loss, dealing with any kind of extra uh, triggers, Father, we just know that uh, you are still at work and you are not in any shape, form, or fashion shocked by this, and you are using this as a way to show your amazing love and grace for this world. And so we just give it to you and uh, surrender these families now in Jesus' name. Amen. Beautiful. Some wonderful news, and I passed it along to you, and of course, you're on top of everything, so I knew that you would know. But Kat Von D, you know, the famous makeup artist, I use a lot of her makeup. I think it's wonderful. But she was always so macabre and interested in things of a dark nature. And that was really sad. And a lot of people have been praying for her for a long time. You know, she has tarot cards. She does the whole witch thing. She's got piles of witchcraft books. And guess what? She got baptized. She got it's yep. just and she wore a beautiful white robe and just said i don't want this darkness to be a part of my family she's married and has a young child moved to indiana of all yep. places where she's a beautiful gothic mansion but you know what she said 
I want to be about the things of Jesus. I want to be about the things of light. And it's major that she shared the videos of it because you can't watch it and not just be moved. And I know her league of fans that it will move people toward the Lord. Well, and I've been one of those League of Fans because, you know, as a guy who has tattoos, you know, she used to have a reality show and, you know, being able to see how she not only conducted her business, but her life. And so in that, your heart, my heart just melted when this story surfaced because after years of watching her with people like um, Nikki Six from Motley Crue and she, you know, had been in, you know, relationships that were truly in that same vein of the dark shroud that she had in her life and uh, to still be able to do tattoos, but now do it in a way that from the chair, you know, she can, you know, minister to people and, you know, and, and she still is a name. And I, lo I love that you're using her makeup because I know that for many, especially if you have tattoos, she created her makeup line as a way so people could still have them, cover them up for the professional world, because not everybody, you know, wants to see them. And that's fine. But in that, I love the stage that's set as she moves forward. Like, I mean, let's give her plenty of time. Let's not put her on the top of the pedestal of now the spokesmodel for all Christians from a, you know, rock and roll lifestyle. Let's give her room to get really great roots and then see how God uses that naturally. Cause he's had a plan all along. She just didn't know it yet. <laughs> it's a pretty big platform. And we're so excited to welcome her into the family. Mm -hmm. Your mind is on God's mind. And sometimes we think our thoughts are too ugly. I cannot believe I think that God can never forgive me for that. I'm just pretty hopeless. And one of the many beauties about our Lord is that he breaks these self-centered cycles. You can look at this in Psalm 119, 37. God is undeterred by our anxieties. He sings a song to quiet our hearts. First Peter 5, 7. Think about his goodness. Nothing is too hard for him mm -hmm. and nothing is too heavy. Yeah. And I think in this world of great anxiety and worry, we can come to him and it gives us rest. Well, and I was thinking about this this morning, too, as I was getting ready for the day is think about this. Think about, you know, as parents, you know, if we gave birth to a child and didn't get to have a relationship with them, how empty and how distant that would feel. We we as parents, we long for that relationship with our kids. And it's the same way with God. I mean, he breathed, breathed life into us so that he can have the relationship with us. So that empty part that we try to fill with other things, it's the God-shaped hole that all along we didn't realize, or maybe we did realize, and we just chose to put other things in front of him. But that's, that is that connection. If, if, if it's in its simplest form, it is that, is that he is a parental figure that created us for the purpose of love. So he wants to show that love and wants to give that to us. So let's receive it in abundance. Amen. I mean, I feel better already just thinking about that. Mm, amen. Ways to feel genuinely, truly, and radiantly happy. And, you know, it starts with, as you said, Ace, that wonderful relationship with him, mm. our parent, our friend, our guide, our rock, our redeemer, so much that when we get that primary relationship right, the rest of it tends to fall into place happiness, finding lasting happiness. Psychologists say these are our needs. 
You need water, food, warmth, rest, safety. You need social, intimate relationships, esteem. You've got to feel good. Self-actualization, which is achieving your full potential. These are all the things that we need to feel happiness, but a lot of us aren't feeling that. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, as we get older, you know, we're looking for the thing that fulfills our purpose, right? Our calling. And if we're not either A, in tune with God enough to know that early on, or we get swayed from it by the next shiny object or someone else's big golden idea, then we lose the path that we're on, whether that's our God path or whether that's just the straight and narrow, however you want to look at it. Uh, But also I am firm example of what happens when the enemy comes in and goes, you know, you're not actually worthy to do that. And as soon as we hear that, we allow it. It's, it's, it's louder than any whisper that we get from God who said, I love you. And I got something for you. We forget the power in that whisper. That sounds like a song right there. But the power (laughs) of the whisper of God is so, and should be so much louder than we allow the enemy or our own fleshly thoughts. But that's what robs us of our happiness, robs us of our joy. I mean, my wife and I have had kind of a frustrating weekend and we found, you know, we don't know what God's going to do in, you know, A, B or C situation, but we're trusting him because he knows what's coming because he uses those opportunities to show us how much he loves us, to show us that have I not provided for you? And, and again, I'm now at the point in my faith where I'm like, all right, God, I'm ready to watch you show out today and just stand back because I don't want to get in the way of whatever thing he is trying to present. Oh, it's so beautiful. You're open, you're receptive, you're listening to him. And I think what's key in what you just shared is his faithfulness in the past. You remember Mm -hmm. how he did come through for you and you expect it. I think a lot of times we get what we expect. If we Mm -hmm. expect it to be a disaster, then it will be. If we want the car to break, the house to catch on fire, then it will. If we expect God and he's a good God and he's faithful to come through for us, He does. And I think wrapped up in that somewhere is gratefulness. You know, I know what I was like without him. I don't miss that person. That person feels like a stranger. And that person was empty inside. I'm different. And when my ex-husband said to me, I know there's something to this Jesus thing because you're totally different. Mm -hmm. Hello. And I'm not patting myself on the back. It's the Jesus shining through. Mm -hmm. And if he can do that for a second, I'm willing and I'm excited about it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And someone who beams Jesus all day is Turin (laughs) Newell from Birmingham Mortgage Group. I think that's one of my favorite things about not just in how he does business and how he helps families, But he does what he does because he knows that is his purpose, that is his calling, that is what God has placed him, that gift skill. And then you couple that with the fact that he's just smart in how to find all these great programs to help your family. You're going to get in that dream home this year. And this isn't somebody that we casually talk about. You and I are both in our homes because of Turin. I owe him a great debt of gratitude because, my goodness, Our situation was so complicated. Let him ease the way for you. A great man of God who cares about people. Birmingham Mortgage Group. The number is 205-259-1656. Check them out at Mortgage. 
com. You'll be so glad you contacted Turin. All right. Of course, as uh, we try to do our best to maintain the relationships in our life, what are the mistakes that we as men continue to do in approaching women? I think this is brilliant. Are you ready? When you approach her, like you're tapping her on the shoulder and she has to, don't do that. Don't yeah. do it. Make some eye contact and let us see you walking over at least. It's mm -hmm. just, I know that sounds odd, but it's so strange that this article, that's the very first thing because how you approach with eye contact and a smile is so important and have some confidence. We know it's frightening. I don't want to be a dude and have to approach people. We know it's not easy, but man, if you don't believe in yourself and if you don't love yourself and if you don't think you have something to offer, we feel it. Yeah. Before you've even said a word. Well, and the importance, too, is this is just not even in the way you approach a potential someone that you're like, you think they're attractive. You want to ask them out, blah, blah, blah. But even when you come home, if your spouse is home, I mean, check like I like to vo vocally check in with my wife in the room so that I know the temperature before, because I don't know what maybe she's thinking about dealing with, if she's on her phone and there's work stuff happening, like, I don't want to get in the way of that. I just thought, hey, babe. And if it's like, hey, or if it's, hey, you know, <laughs> then I know, okay, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah, so you got to, you got to read the room, you know, let, let that gauge guide you. Yeah, your timing. I think that's super important. Don't let your timing be off. And uh, don't be too conventional, too. Be original. I mean, Asa, you got that going in spades. I mean, Thank you. being a musician and, and just how expressive you are and how talented and how many different things you do. It's just interesting when someone's life is interesting. Mm. All right, on to some distressing news about Gen Z's. We're talking 18 to 21 years old, 34% now identify as agnostic atheist or nuns, the, the people who say they have no, no faith. And I think that is truly stunning. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think are some of the reasons why? Well, okay. So first, let me disclaimer this with the fact that I was from a Gen X perspective, did not want to live in the shadow or the regimens of my parents' faith. So where for me, that was a Baptist home, nothing against Baptist, but for me as a kid, that was, I, I just did not identify my relationship with God in those ways and teachings or, or, or presentation, maybe for a lack of better words. Right. And I believe that as the next generation as they have that same mindset, what is it in how our parents or how we as parents are representing our faith, whether you're, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Catholic, whatever, how are you representing that faith, that that perspective of faith? Because it's all one God, right? One God, one Jesus, one Holy Spirit. That's it. That's all that matters is those three things. But in that, how are you representing? So then the message that's sent could be confusing to them. Well, if, they, if that's what God is, or if that's what a Christianity is, I don't want that. So I, I wonder if it's that, yes, they don't identify with any particular religion, but is it that they truly understand that it's not about a religion? It is about a relationship. And then maybe they do have their own, I mean, not, not that maybe, they do have their own spiritual side. 
It's just a matter of how are they allowing it to play itself out into the decisions they make or into the way that they see themselves. You know, we say this all the time, like God be the one who tells you who you are. He tells you your worth. He tells you where you're going, you know, that you're not defined by the things that the world or your past want to try to weigh you down. But not and not to throw that back on us as the previous generation that they're not identifying with a faith or a religion because of us, but it is a good reality check that we need to be setting that tone, especially as someone who was a rebel within his own household of, well, mom, I don't see God like that. Even to this day, my mom and I still don't see God the same way, but we still love him and serve him and trust him. And that's the only thing that matters. So we just kind of agree to disagree and not talk about certain things because it doesn't matter in the end. We win, right? Yeah, we win. And if I'm hearing you right, authenticity is very important to a younger generation. They can yeah. sniff something that is not genuine. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and think about this. I mean, we hear this, or actually, I, I feel like I hear this more than I care to, but we hide behind church hurt. You know, that's a term that's kind of been the thing over the last decade, but it's a very real thing when we either use it for a reason not to serve in our church, not to go, or it's a reason to have one foot out the door already from the time we visit a new church or we move to a new community and we're trying to find our place, right? We got to stop looking for excuses not to serve and let God show us where we can love on the families that are hurting and for us to be loved on when we're hurting. We can't carry that with us. Yes, people are going to fail. Church is made up of broken sinners. Bible says that. That's no that's not a smoke and mirrors. Oh, no one told me. No, it's been there from the beginning, okay? But I think we have to let go of that hurt. We can't say, if God, if you're bringing me into this church, I'm going to sit in this pew until you tell me to step out and serve in the direction that you need me. Not in the place that's comfortable, but in the place where you need me. And so many times I see where, well, I just don't want to get involved in the worship band because, or I don't want to, you know, da, 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 you know, I can't go to the men's prayer breakfast because, you know, I, if I get to know them and then those people let me down, I mean, there's so many levels to it that for me, because I know what it's like when my church family loved me at my ugliest. And then when I had the opportunity to reciprocate that into people's lives who were going through their ugly moments. And we're just, we're just all trying to figure it out. You know, I don't know how to act my age because this is the only age I've ever been, but it's the same, but it's my age of faith that I want to see put into action. I want to say, okay, I've seen God work in these ways, or I've seen God work in other people's lives these ways. I want him to work in my life like that. And sometimes we have to be in a surrounded setting within a church or within a particular religion that that speaks to us. There are Catholics and Methodists and Baptists and Charismatics. All of those, you have your place because we're all made up differently. You may like vanilla ice cream. I like chocolate. That's okay. Let's just hang out at the ice cream bar with <laughs> sprinkles on top. <laughs> That's okay. And you can choose your own coffee and you could choose the Roxanne blend at mybrotherscup.com. Just click on the beautiful bag with butterflies. The Roxanne blend has pecan and butterscotch. Sounds like, oh, but oh, it's so good. It's warm. It's wonderful. It's a great gift for coming up on the gift giving season. Gift yourself or someone else. It's truly a really wonderful gift 
for a believer because they know that it goes to fund missionary trips around the world and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful gift. So keep that in mind. Check it out at RoxanneandAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, we are so privileged to have the most wonderful men and women of God join us and share their journey, their closeness with the Lord, and how they're reaching out to help others. And our next guest is truly extraordinary. She has nearly three decades of counseling experience helping women answering their questions. Her book is called Moving Forward After Abortion, Finding Comfort in God. It's something we are long overdue in discussing. On this podcast, there's a lot of hurt and confusion about how God feels about this and how we should feel about it. We are so honored to welcome to the show counselor Camille Cates. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Roxanne. (laughs) Thank you, Ace. So Camille, just start from the beginning of your ministry with this particular, because obviously as a counselor, there's a lot of different angles of expertise that you could have gone into. What led your heart in the direction of helping those recover from abortion? Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. So I myself am post-abortive, and that's usually how a lot of ministry is started, right? With those who have received from the Lord, and then they can pour out and give to others. So um, I actually had an abortion back in 1992, and that was in the midst of some traumatic um, situations in my life. I had two crisis pregnancies, and the first one actually ended up keeping my daughter and trying to raise her. My parents were supportive of that, and I had a, a pretty good support system in place. But Then I became pregnant a second time outside of marriage, and um, that relationship was new and, um, you know, just just a lot of foolish choices being young. I was about 17, 18 at that time, and I had my daughter, and I got involved with this young man, and we became sexually active. I became pregnant um, by him, and then... Uh, we didn't know what we were going to do. We kind of tossed around the idea of abortion, um, but I really didn't get to make that decision with him. Uh, he was watching my daughter one evening, and while he was watching her, ended up sexually assaulting and shaking her to death. So my world was really just thrust into this trauma of losing my daughter Um she was actually up at the hospital and um, the doctor said, she's, she's gone. She's legally brain dead from the shaking. And um, I was pregnant. My parents knew about it. Um, They were pressuring me to have an abortion before I even left the hospital. And I was a Christian young woman. I had not been living um, correctly the way that I should for the Lord, but um, so I was just hurting. And Four days after we buried my daughter, I went and had an abortion. And then my life just spiraled after that. Um, Abortions, uh, I think we like to think it's an isolated event. A lot of women like to think one and done and they can move forward. And that's just not true. Um, You know, abortion goes against how God designed us as women to bear and nurture children. And so you know, I had all of the emotional trauma from losing my daughter compounded on top of the abortion. And 
I just, even though I wasn't spiritually lost, I felt lost. I'd lost my way with the Lord. And um, thank, thankfully, he brought me back around to himself and used a godly young man in my life to help get me on the track of discipleship and really learning and growing in uh, my identity in the Lord. And then God was really gracious to bring a Bible study into my life that helped me to find healing uh, from the scriptures in that time with the Lord and uh, working through the word and with the power of the Holy Spirit was able to really find healing. And at that time, I, I was married um, to to my husband. We've been married 28 years now. And when I got done with that Bible study, he said, you are a completely different woman. And um, I had really struggled in the first three years in our marriage. So that being in God's word, intentionally uh, addressing the abortion in all aspects, there's a lot, I think, in an abortion experience that we don't process. We just kind of stuff down and try and shove it in the back of the closet and hope it doesn't come out again. Uh, but it always does. And I thank God by his grace, he allows things to come back to the surface so that we can rightly process it with him. And so going through that experience of just transformation through the word of God really made me passionate to share the same comfort from God's word that I had received this year and give comfort to others. So that's really what started it. You say the experience of this abortion, it's always with you. It is there. What are some of the thoughts that you were having, both suffering from the death and we're so sorry of your daughter and the abortion? Yeah, just, you know, there's so much secrecy around abortion because it's a very um, personal, private, sin and it's easy to hide and i think even now with medication abortion i had a surgical abortion it's even easier to kind of hide it and and nobody knows what's going on and um just being being cloaked in that shame and that secrecy really it's suffocating and it just feels dark like walking in darkness and so until you're able to bring that out into the light um, you're just walking around with a heavy burden in your life and the memories and the things and the, the you know, what ifs and what could have been and, and all of those things kind of are, are waiting there to be dealt with. So it's very, um, it's a very difficult. And then if you have trauma on top of that, it's just, it's confusing. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why people go to things like addiction and, you know, they're trying to self-medicate a lot of those times. Um, that pain from something in their past. I know that uh, you said, you know, you kind of went through this Bible study that helped you. What, and 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 for everyone, it's different. So e even the nugget that you took away may or may not speak to someone else, but I believe in this moment it can to someone who is just completely overwhelmed with that guilt, with that shame, with that feeling less than. What do you say to them based on your own journey that you believe could help them in this moment? Well, you know, I think a lot of people want to um, really jump quickly to God forgives you. And that's true. Anybody who comes to the Lord in, in repentance, there's um, open forgiveness and um, freedom uh, in that. But at the same time, I think we don't recognize that there can be a lot of things 
hindering our receiving and accepting of that forgiveness. Um, we talked about the shame and the guilt, but there are other emotions too that you work through. There's grief. You know, it's a life. It's a life of your baby that was lost. And I didn't feel this way, but I've, I counseled a lot of women who felt like they couldn't, they they wouldn't, didn't have a right to grieve the death of their baby afterwards, which really hinders us from having godly sorrow like the Bible tells us to have. And so um, being able to, you know, grieve over what's happened to your baby, grieve over your sin. Um, I think there's anger. You know, I had a lot of anger at the young man who I felt had kind of put us in that situation. I had some anger at my parents who had really pressured for the abortion. And then um, just even the abortion medical staff, you know, so there's, there's anger, there's righteous anger, there's unrighteous anger. And it, all of that takes a lot to really walk through and process rightly with the Lord through his word. So um, that's my encouragement. I think a lot of people, a lot of um, people that have that is that their experience, they want to stuff down those emotions or numb out from them. Because they're afraid if they bring it up, it's going to be uncontrollable. And it will be without the Lord to guide you and without his word to give you right thinking and to um, help you in that heart transformation. What did the Lord tell you that's brought you to this extraordinary level of healing where you could be strong enough to write about this and to share in such a public format about something so devastating? I mean, what did God show you about your value? I think, you know, one of my favorite passages is uh, Isaiah 61, where it talks about how the Lord gives beauty for ashes. And just that redemption of who he is. And I know, you know, Roxanne, I don't know if it was just one thing. I think it's, you know, when you open up and you're willing to say, I need to know this God who made me. Um, I need to understand who he is because when I understand who he is, that's my true identity. That's my true worth and value because then I rightly understand who I am. And so I think it was just, it was all of that, but knowing that he's a redeeming God, that he wanted to give me hope, that he wanted to heal me, sanctify me, that he didn't want to just leave me in the brokenness uh, of my sin. And, and you know, we, we hurt ourselves, you know, with our sin. And so he doesn't want to leave us there. He wants to bring us through uh, healing and, and to find redemption in Christ. So tell us about your book. Like, I know we've touched a little bit on your story, which is obviously laced in that. What What are you wanting this book to do in helping people to be able to move forward? I think I really am hoping and praying that it's a starting point. That's really a jumping off to start the conversation for those who have kept it, you know, hidden or deep down inside. I mean, I've worked with women who've never told their husbands their adult children don't know, nobody knows. And so just a place where they can sit quietly with the Lord and read and almost feel like somebody else who's been in their shoes is there walking with them and saying, you know, I get it. These are some things that I've walked through. Um, so really to, to be that starting point, it's not exhaustive by any means, but I think it would really start on the journey. And then I, I think too, for, I would love every Christian 
to read it because, I mean, we look at, we're headed into an election year. Abortion is always a hot button topic. And the ones who um, are hurt the most are the ones who are post-abortive. They're left in the middle hearing the clamoring on both sides and they don't know what to do with their pain. They don't feel safe, you know, when everybody's shouting back and forth at each other to really come forward with it. So I think, uh, you know, just for anybody, whether they're post-abortive or not, just to read it and be more informed and equipped from God's word to have good discussions on the topic. Neil Cates, you are a gift to us all. I just praise the Lord for your health and your bravery and and your incredible life story. And it's going to help so many people with this brand new book, Moving Forward After Abortion, Finding Comfort in God. Such a powerful message that he loves and values us and uh, has delivered you from something that is beyond, you know, we just can't imagine uh, mm-hmm. that double loss so close together. It's it's stunning. And I praise God for you. And thank you for being willing to share your story, your journey, and your book with us. Thank you. Thank you, Roxanne. I appreciate it. As we end with the most bizarre story, I'm like, this this headline can't be true. Mm-hmm. Cuba's Iron Man is beating himself with a sledgehammer. Yes, it is a deliberate thing that strongman Lino Thomason does. He once wanted to be the next Mike Tyson, was a professional boxer, gave that up in a fight in Mexico City, said, I'm not going to do it. But now he's kind of strong man and does stunts. And when he beats him, <laughs> when he beats, it's not funny. I don't when he it's like to me, someone's hitting their own head. It's like, what? and he says it's not fake. You know, we could go there with the whole wrestling thing, whether that's right. fake or not. I mean, how can you even? But he is pounding the world out of himself. Well, and the thing, I, and this is how headlines can get you. I was originally thinking, oh, this is a guy that's making enough money to create an Iron Man, like, you know, to be like in the suit. Because, you know, here we are in this day and age, we still have yet to have an Iron Man or a Batman in real life, you know, with all the money in the world. You know, Elon Musk decided to go to space rather than becoming Batman, you know, could go to all the training and get the suits and all the toys. I, this is where my head is. The the the, the forever seven-year-old inside my head. <laughs> no, it's a dude who beats himself with a sledgehammer to show how tough he is. And I'll admit that's tough. That's really, really tough. Uh where do you mentally have to go to get there? I have no idea. And and kids don't try this at home. Don't no. The experts. Yeah. That's <laughs> like Thanks for spending time with us this week. Of course, remember to like, subscribe, and follow so you don't miss what's to come or you can catch up on what you have missed. And we'll see you again next week. Roxanne, I love you. I love you too. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.